Today, we visited with Jason McBride, who shared with us what it was like to leave church and reimagine faith. To learn more, visit his website, whatsafterchurch.com. And to contact Spirit Road, you can email us at spiritroadpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to Awkwardly Zen Presents Spirit Road, a podcast about our spiritual journey where we can be awkwardly ourselves. It's a path that can be funny, absurd, enlightening, and life-changing all at the same time. Join us as we explore this mysterious world and life we live in. I'm Tim Behrens. I'm Laurie Hewitt. And this this is Spirit Spirit Road. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be with you. So, so my my first exposure to you was through a talk that you gave at Awkwardly Zen, and that was on leaving the church and experiencing the divine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, leaving the church, experiencing the divine, and also leaving the church and entering the wilderness is kind of another way I phrase that. Um, it's just because I think a lot of people have left or are leaving or in the process of leaving religion or church, and the next step is unclear and or very scary. And so I was just trying to speak into that and what that looks like and kind of give everybody a heads up to here's some of the things you might experience. And this is normal. Why do you think people are leaving the church, leaving churches? There's a lot of different reasons. Probably as many people are are leaving is the number of reasons that you could come up with, but some are seeking community, connection, and relationship. And the church or religion speaks a lot about that. But for a lot of people, they came up empty in that search. They didn't find authentic, genuine connection. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, they wanted to be about something bigger They wanted to give their life to things that had meaning, and they felt that maybe their church's focus was not connected to their focus or was more about dogma or right and wrong and wasn't making the impact that they wanted to make. And so they were stepping away, you know, for that reason. And some is just natural transitions in life, you know, is this, this, this worked great for a season but it no longer fits who we are now. And I think that different demographics are experiencing it differently. So yeah, lots of different reasons why why people are stepping out of the church right now. So when you mentioned the wilderness too, I was really fascinated by that idea that in the construct of a church or a community or something, you have you have people you can relate to. You have people who you can clearly go to seek guidance, and everyone is generally kind of on the same page with what they believe. And then you find yourself in this new place where you know the old isn't working for you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you know what will work in its place. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I found some of your descriptions about the wilderness to me had a bit of a parallel to what I would call like a dark night of the soul, where mm-hmm. the things that one you once sought or you once found as security and support and steady ground all kind of fall away. And, and the things that brought you comfort before are are just gone. But what happens 
in place of that. I, does, do you see that parallel? Do you, are you familiar with the dark night of the soul? Absolutely. I think the dark night is a, is a great description because, you know, in a dark night, uh, what we see is, you know, you're not the person who you were, but you're not into any new place yet. And there is, there's this very uh, disorienting, unfamiliar territory. And it gets called a lot of different things. We call it the dark night of the soul. We might call it, you know, winter uh, in spirituality, the death before resurrection as death, you know, creates space for new life, uh, disorder before there's kind of the reorder, or some people talk about deconstruction. So we have all these different terms, but they all come back to this idea of I've entered this place where the terrain in my spiritual life has completely shifted and things that used to make sense don't make sense. Some of the spiritual practices that used to be very fulfilling are no longer fulfilling for me. We begin to experience kind of a lot of doubt around different ideas. And this is just very disconcerting. It's just dis- like, it feels like the foundation of our very life is disintegrating. And a lot of people are, you know, horrified when they enter into this place And because we don't talk a lot about it in spiritual communities, I think a lot of people are really shocked. And the the sad thing is, is this is a normal part of the journey. If we talked about this landscape more, I think people would be able to go, oh, I've heard about this place. I don't have to panic. I don't have to freak out. There are guides who have been here and we can get through this. But it, it is very much a dark night of the soul for many people. I know that when I was in college, that started to happen for me. I'd always been um, involved in churches growing up, and I, I was able to attend a lot of different churches growing up. And then I started expanding my consciousness a bit and reading some different books and stumbled on some information through about Edgar Casey and past lives. And that just resonated for me in that moment but I had no one I could go to and talk to about it. I tried Mm -hmm. to bring it up to my minister and it didn't go very well. And so, you know, he just didn't believe that. And basically I was told, you know, you don't need, you don't want to start moving in that direction because that's evil. And I was like, Hmm. So that I think started my moving away from the church of any kind, because I felt like they weren't open to the spirituality that I was starting to experience. Are you finding that with other folks as well? Absolutely. And I think that is uh, another one of the big reasons uh, of why people are leaving the church Mm -hmm. is they're open to new ideas. You know, we have more access to information, knowledge, different cultures, different ideas than ever before. And I think that for and this, I'm not speaking of all churches and all religions, but for many, it's about maintaining the structure and the, the belief system. And so as the new begins to come in, it's very easy to resist it and try to push it away and try to control it. Because in some levels, we all love control. We want to be able to, yeah. you know, put all the pieces in the right place and say, okay, this is what church looks like, or this is what religion looks like. So when people come in with new ideas it's very easy for an established system to begin to reject those. And I think what we're finding more and more is people are saying, I'm not okay with with it being rejected. I think in the past it was, okay, well, maybe I'll stick to the 
the church line or the religion line, but people are saying, no way, I want to go out and I want to experience this, uh, which is great. I think it's the evolution of faith. And when we look at evolution, I think there's there's two big pieces. One is evolution is about transcending uh, wherever we were before. So it's kind of going to a new place, but it's also including. It's including the best of what went before. And so I see a lot of people who are leaving church and so they're kind of transcending to this new place. They're taking with them the best of the spirituality that they had, and their faith is actually growing through this process. So it, it can actually be a beautiful place, um, but for people, a lot of people, it's also a place of deep struggle. I noticed, or even in my own journey a little bit, but in, in, in talking with others too, there seems to be a period of time when you leave a church that you start to define yourself still in relation to the church, but as to the things that you didn't like about it, like there's some element of anger that comes up or Mm -hmm. frustration or rebelling against old ideas, but not necessarily knowing what the new ideas are. Do you have any advice for people who are kind of in that place, um, how to redefine themselves in such a way that they don't have to hold on to that anger? Yeah, that's that's a hard one. As I I have you know teenagers of my own, and I think that's you know we pretty much see that as a natural part of the human development process for teenagers is pushing against you know what their their parents believed or thought or acted or however you know their parents were. It's like I'm going to do things differently, and so we see people leaving the church, and they act in some ways similar of. You know, I didn't like X, Y, and Z, and so I'm no longer going to do those things. And I think that there can be wisdom in identifying what wasn't working, but there's also wisdom in what was working. And then being able to say, you know what, I don't want to get fixated in a negative way upon what wasn't working. I want to use that as a tool in my life to grow and to learn and say, okay, if that wasn't working for me, then what does it push me towards or how can I grow in a different way? So I think there's this fine line between recognizing what wasn't working and becoming bitter about it and it becoming a focal point in your journey. And I think that can be toxic. And I think there are some people that get stuck in that that rut of bitterness towards an organization, a church, a denomination, and they're saying, you know, I can't believe this, I can't stand this, as opposed to saying, okay, didn't work for me, now what? What do I look for now? And so I think it's just trying to remain open to what the spirit inside of you might be stirring or trying to unfold in your spirit. That makes sense. I remember when I was leaving the churches that I had belonged to, and I was doing all this other reading, And people would ask me, well, are you a Christian? And there were times when I didn't know how to answer that. It was like, well, I think so, kind (laughs) of. So how do you address that when people ask, well, are you still a Christian then, even though you're not attached to a church? That has been a real struggle for me in my own journey. Mm -hmm. So when I left the church, I was basically saying, yes, I'm, I'm a Christian, I resonate deeply with the Jesus story and Jesus teachings and ideas. And, but as I started to, you know, incorporate other ideas into my journey, as I was learning more about meditation from, you know, the Buddhist community than I was from maybe a Christian community and more about the physical body and just being a human being from Hinduism and different ideas like these, 
it wasn't fitting in a nice, neat package for other Christians. And I came to this place as the more I shared my voice, other people began saying, yeah, I, I don't think you're a Christian. <laughs> and so that became, kind of became an identity crisis for me, right? Because I had associated with this my whole life. And I think the challenging part about Christianity is who gets to decide what it means to be a Christian. So every group has a different definition and they use different tests of faith to decide who's in and who's out. So if you're with one group, it might be some kind of like physical representation. Well, if you're a good Christian, you don't go to a bar or you don't dance or you don't do certain things, or it might be certain practices. You have to you know, observe certain days. And so what I found was, is every different group has different regulations, let's say, for what it means to be a Christian. And I had to come to the place where I was okay with saying, you know what, based on a lot of these different regulations or standards, I probably don't fit their definition of Christian. And it's okay if someone says that I'm not a Christian, and yet I still hold very deeply and resonate, like I said, to the Jesus story while embracing the truth that is going on in other religions. So that's a hard one for me because, yeah, I I think the label has been stolen away from me, and uh, I I don't resonate with it now well either. So I, I honestly don't know what to do with that one. Yeah, I, I don't either. I never know how to answer people at all, you know, because I also resonate with Jesus and his teachings. And and yet I don't know that I can say that I'm Christian in the way that it's traditionally thought of at all, because I have many beliefs. I pull some from the Buddhists, from the Hindus, from whoever, and just follow how it all melds together. I grew up in a Southern Baptist town. My father was Baha'i. My mother, the daughter of a psychic and most likely, I would say, agnostic. My sister, probably atheist, um, you know, very eclectic kind of family. And I think that was a struggle for me growing up because I, I really wanted to be, I, I saw the things about the church that I still feel are, are, are very positive. I saw this community. I saw people coming together and sharing things that they had in common and and, and truly communing with each other. And wanting to be a part of that, but also finding that some of my differences and beliefs kind of found me in a place of, of feeling isolated and a little bit shunned at points, and yet also resonating with the stories, uh, you know, and teachings of Jesus and things, and finding finding for me that it being growing up in that diversity, that um, to me it's a testament to the divine, to God, creative consciousness, whatever you would choose to call it that all of these different beliefs have so much in common. And then for me, spirituality kind of over time has evolved into trying to transcend a belief and just have an experience and allow myself to find the meaning in that in relation to whatever's going on in my life too. Like you all are describing, it, it's hard because when I tell my story or when anyone tells their story, I think it's the tendency of others to want to put a label on it and say, yeah, oh yeah, you're Christian, or yeah, you're Buddhist. Sometimes those labels are getting in the way of us just seeing the things that we all do have in common. Absolutely. And I think for me growing up, 
And I know everyone's church experience and home experience is all different. You know, so when I say church and you say church, we may not be talking about the same thing. Growing up, most of the people that were around us, our community, thought very similarly, act very similarly. And so it was just kind of a, we, when we talked about whatever, like if you're a Christian, we just all assumed everyone meant the exact same thing. And I've noticed it's, you know, it's very different with my children because they're, uh, there's so much more diversity or at least more talk of diversity and they don't have some of those same conceptions. And I think that, you know, holding space for that is been a challenge, uh, especially in organized religion. Because it is kind of the we want to have the the corner on the market when we say, you know, Christian, we want to know we're all talking about the same thing, but leaving that space for no, every single one of us is different. There are no dittos among souls. We're all, you know, unique in the eyes of the spirit of the great source. So I think it's a, it's an interesting transition. But over the last few decades, it just seems like it's more and more okay and more and more being talked about this diversity and it's the challenge to be willing to acknowledge it and accept it so how do you help someone explore their spirituality how do you give them spiritual direction what does that look like you know i think a a great spiritual director that's an old term. Uh, it's been around for, you know, thousands of years, spiritual direction. It's really more like spiritual companionship. Spiritual directors aren't directing or telling anyone to do anything. It's the idea of sitting with someone and listening to their spirit and listening to the unity of the spirit between the two individuals and just calling forth and speaking forth to what is heard and and, and what is seen. And And I think it's so much about prayerful listening, uh, meditative listening, contemplative listening to another person. Because I think one of the things that the churches I grew up got into was we tried to create a cookie cutter approach to spirituality. If you'll go to this 101 class and then the 201 class and the 301 class, then you'll have the wisdom and the knowledge that you need to have and you'll be spiritually mature. And what we found was that may have worked for the person who led the class, but it didn't work for most of the people who were in the class. I had a gentleman come up to me one time at at church, and he faithfully went every week uh, with his wife and children. And in a vulnerable moment, he said, you know, I really hate going to church. And I said, well, you know, tell me more about that. And he says, I just... I don't have a sense of the divine when I'm in this building. I don't like the music. I I don't want to sing. I'm I'm embarrassed to sing in front of others. I don't usually understand the sermons and, and I don't like the small group discussions. And I said, you know, looking back over your journey, is there a place where you have a sense of the divine when something felt larger than yourself? And uh, he said, absolutely, but it was not in the church. And I'm like, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, it was, you know, on the top of a 14er. I had hiked a mountain all day. And when I saw the the beauty of creation, I knew that God or, or spirit was with me. And I've never felt like that. And And when I go hiking or when I get out into the wilderness, and I think that one of the things that we're seeing is that 
everyone has a different spiritual wiring, different ways that they resonate with or connect with the spirituality or the divine. And so we have some people that it's, it's in creation. Some people it's service to others. They feel alive when they are helping others. Some it's activism uh, when, you know, there's a challenge or an injustice that they're fighting and there's a high risk of failure and they're going a hundred miles an hour. They feel that God is with them. And some people are the worshiper that love to speak and sing. And some people are more the contemplative that wants silence and solitude. And so church created a system that resonated deeply with like two or three of these wirings, but did not resonate with any of the others. And so as when I'm meeting with people, I want to know what is the sense of their spiritual wiring? Do they look back over their journey and have moments where they see glimpses of the divine? And then let's talk more about those. Let's lean into those. Let's see if we can get them into those. Because what I fear is, is that a lot of times people say, well, you know, like with this gentleman that I'm sharing with you, he shared with other Christians his struggle with church. And they said, well, you just need to keep going to church more. You'll, you'll get to the place where you love it. And year after year, he's like, I'm just empty and I'm dying inside. And I think that's because no one said, let's sit down and figure out how God, how the divine has made you and what resonates with you. And I think if we can have those kinds of conversations, it creates a whole new spiritual uh, direction. Why do you think people continue to go to church, even if it isn't meeting that deep felt need? I think when we, we talk about church, and I think this is what makes leaving church so hard, is it's an intertwined, almost like bowl of spaghetti of a lot of different things. So when you're at church, there is this kind of what we've already talked about, identity with a larger community. So I feel like I'm a part of these people. We're about something bigger, and it gives a sense of purpose. Then for a lot of people, it's also their relational and family connections. So they go to a church because their family goes to a church. So there's family ties. Then there's the church has told us right from wrong. And so there's this, oh, well, I want to be right in my life. I want to be a good person. And so when someone's leaving the church, they begin to struggle with their identity. Okay, who am I when I'm separate from the crowd? They begin struggling with family and friends relationships because a lot of people have actually lost connection to people because they no longer attend the family church or the community church. Then there's this doubt of my beliefs. If, you know, if the church told me they knew right and now I'm doing something different, where does that leave me? And a lot of people find value in service at church because there's a lot of volunteering opportunities. So people with especially like musicians and singers have a lot of connections. So they leave, well, now where do I use my gifts? And I've just listed four or five, right? And there's probably dozens and dozens. Yeah. So when someone starts to leave the church, all of these little issues start to percolate. And it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about family, identity, service. And sometimes it's just easier to say, you know what, forget it. I know I'm not happy here, but I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that mess. I don't want to have to figure out what it looks like. So I'll just stay put. I love how you, you describe all of this as kind of a, a natural process that can happen that in the, 
asking these questions or trying to go out on your own to have a closer connection to the divine that it doesn't have to be in, it doesn't have to be in rebellion to something it can be part of an an evolution where we really start to ask what what does resonate for me and where do i feel god the most we, and to know that in asking those questions and and going out in that way that you're you're not alone and that there are people there's there's a community out there that's waiting that understands that process as well and and i think that's been something that's been really important for me in my journey is just to be able to talk about those questions with others and to mm-hmm. hear that it's okay to ask those questions in the first place and i'm really i really appreciate um all of the thoughts that you're sharing and also want to make sure that we we talk a little bit about that you have a podcast where you talk about some of these things that you have a website and would you mind telling us a little bit about where people can find you? And Absolutely. Um, the website is whatsafterchurch.com. So W-H-A-T-S-A-F-T-E-R and then church, C-H-U-R-C-H.com. And the goal is connecting with people who are either on the verge of leaving church and trying to discern what does next look like. And I, I want to be very careful to say, I'm not anti-church. Uh, there are people who go to church, they're getting a lot out of it, and they love it. And I think that's amazing. But there are some who are in church, and they feel stuck, and they feel lost, and they don't know what next looks like. And so what is that discernment process? How do you listen to what your spirit is stirring inside of you? That's one of the things that we try to create content for. And then also, once you've left the church and all of these struggles of identity and connection and belonging begin to happen, uh, we want to share in that. And how do we journey through that? And then how do we reimagine faith for the good of really all creation in this new space? And so that's kind of what uh, the content that I create on the website and the podcast. Uh, I do spiritual direction or spiritual companionship where I meet one-on-one Uh, with individuals just to discuss these kinds of things and just to try to help people take that next step in the journey. Yeah. Thank you so much. I I would share in my own journey as well. One thing that happened for me is that I found myself kind of exploring different ideas and, and beliefs and practices. And, you know, for me, the the nature is probably where, where I resonate the most and feel that presence the most. But in the midst of some of that isolation that I found, I also longed for community again. So what's happened for me is that I'm still out on that journey, but it's also led me back to church as well. To know that, as, as you say, there are spiritual seekers who are finding what they need in that community and who are doing amazing things and sharing wonderful teachings. And it's it just feels really good to know that that you can find a balance with those where you're having your own experiences, but also doing it in the midst of community as well. I have another question. How do you help people who are leaving the church and have that fear around, wow, I'm doing something really bad and I might be punished when I die, that I will Hmm. not go to heaven, but might go someplace else. How do you help them move past that sense of, of good, bad and punishment for not staying with the church that they were brought up in perhaps or the church that they've been attending and not following the rules of that organization. You know, that is, that is a huge fear. And Mm -hmm. I hear, I hear that a lot of time from individuals of, you know, I've been told that if I'm not in 
uh, maybe a churchy way to say it, in communion with the church or receiving communion, the Eucharist mm-hmm. uh, from the church, then then I'm on the outside. I, I'm in danger in the, the afterlife. And I think everyone's story the and beliefs, uh, especially those mental models we have that are kind of below the surface, like we don't necessarily know we believe it, but it does create an emotional reaction with us is to really just kind of sit with someone and to talk through, okay, tell me like, where does this feeling, where's it coming from? What's going on in your mind as you're thinking about it? And so, cause for some, it can be, you know, related to uh, something someone in church said for some, it's maybe a Bible passage. And so for them, it's looking into, are there ways to look at the Bible differently than the faith that you grew up with? Are there groups out there that still resonate with the Bible or use the Bible, but maybe not in the same way that the church you grew up with? And, and I think a lot of people are finding um, that to be true. Some, it's just their their nature or view of the divine, uh, of who God is. And sitting down and, and talking with someone, one of the things that I've seen resonate, especially for me in my journey, is just the thought of the perfect parent, you know, and I know when we we say parent, that can bring up all kinds of different emotions. Uh, Everyone has different experiences of of their parents. Some had great parents, some had horrible parents that they don't want to, you know, necessarily remember. Some had absent parents, but whether you're a parent yourself or not, to think about if I could create the perfect parent, what would that look like? And I, I myself am a parent, and so I know I come up short a lot. But as I think about that perfect parent, as my kids make mistakes or, you know, they're trying to walk and they fall down, I don't go, I can't believe you. How can you be so crazy? Why can't you figure this out? No, the perfect parent is the one that runs over and says, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. You just took one step. Let me help you back up and let's see if we can take two. And I think that if we, can come up with this vision of a perfect parent. And it's pretty exceptional when I ask people to give me that, that description of what their perfect parent looks like. And I'm saying, now, can you translate that to the divine? And typically our image of, uh, well, people who are struggling in this way of the thought of I might be condemned to hell, their image of God or the divine is much lower than what they actually come up with. And then I sit there and think, you know, if we can come up with such a great image, imagine how much more the divine is. And I think just kind of trying to wrestle with that idea is extremely freeing to put things in more tangible terms. Because, you know, when we speak of the divine or or we speak of God, we're speaking of something we can't see or touch. And so when we can give some of those kinds of examples, I find it very freeing for people to say, oh, my gosh. I I have to believe that the divine, that God is more loving, more caring, and more gracious than I am or my best wishes are. So just an idea. I like that. Wonderful idea. Well, Jason, I want to thank you so much for being here with us and, and sharing and really look forward to learning more about your path. Thank you so much. I I'm so excited about what awkwardly Zen is doing. You know, I think one of the, biggest pain points I see for people in the journey, especially after leaving church is saying, where do I belong? 
and, and it's a sense of isolation. And, you know, I think awkwardly Zen is about that. It's about bringing people together and removing isolation so that people can journey together. And I think that is so critical and so needed right now in this transition phase as people can't, they, they're, they're searching for and they're seeking, where do I belong? Who are, who are my people? And awkwardly Zen is saying, come join with us, journey with us. Let's, let's figure this out together. And so I'm, I'm so excited uh, about what the awkwardly Zen entire organization is doing. And of course, you know, what you're doing with this podcast as well. Well, Thank thank you you so much. Yeah.